0: Hey, glad you can make it. And welcome to the Employee Cycle Podcast, where we talk to HR innovators, thought leaders, and even some disruptors about the latest in HR trends, HR tech, and you guessed it, HR data. Well, you've heard enough of me talking. Now let's start the show, 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 show. Hey, hey, and welcome back to the Employee Cycle Podcast. I'm your host, Bruce Marrable, CEO of Employee Cycle, And you know us with that HR analytics dashboard that's helping you automate your HR reporting and analytics process. We know that a lot of you are trying to figure out how to become more data-driven. And your process typically looks like logging into your HR systems, pulling out spreadsheets, trying to build a pivot table, for those of you who even know what that is, trying to turn some of those charts and graphs and spreadsheets into things that actually tell a data-driven story, probably try to take that, put it into a PowerPoint to communicate to your leadership team almost all of it is manual and you're always scratching your head thinking there must be a better way. Well, that's why we created Employee Cycle, an HR analytics dashboard with integration connectors to the most popular HR systems out there. So within 20 minutes of creating your first account, you can pull your data from your HR systems, automatically turn it into out-of-the-box HR dashboards and reports and be able to turn that and export it into out-of-the-box PowerPoint presentations. Yes, become more data-driven. That's what we're helping you to do. If you would like to learn more, go to employeecycle.com, check us out, get a demo. We'd love to explore how we can help you become smarter and more data-driven. But that's enough about our company because today we have an awesome guest. So please help me welcome to the show, Paris Parker. She's the CHRO at Paycor, And today we're discussing how HR can reduce employee burnout. Paris welcome to the podcast. Woo! Pyrrhus! That's a lot of P's. <laughs> That's a whole lot of peas. Paris Parker, Paycor, Podcast. A lot of P's.
1: We're going to talk people, right? We're going to add another And piece. we're
0: talking people! That's <laughs> right. All of the peas, The five P's. That's what we should have titled this. But Paris before we get started into this really interesting and important and timely topic... We have to kick off the show the best way we know how, and that's by asking you, how did you end up in the wonderful world of HR?
1: Yeah, you know, it's such a, I love getting this question because I did not start in HR and I didn't grow up in HR. Um, When I was in college, I started working for a retailer as a summer gig and ended up falling in love with it. And as I was growing in my career, I realized that what I really, really loved, I was going to school to be a child psychologist, so that that was my um, dream when I was doing my undergrad studies, is what I really enjoyed um, is getting to the root and the psychology of what made customers want to shop, what made customers engage with our products, um, and over time, it quickly grew into a passion for figuring out what made people happy. So what made team members happy, what made them motivated to come to work, um, what made them excited to do their jobs. Um, And so year over year, I had a number of different experiences, ended up in management consulting, focusing in on talent development and diversity and inclusion at the time. We weren't even calling it, uh, diversity, equity, and inclusion then. Um, and that was, you know, my, my weavy, um, path into an actual HR function about, gosh, I don't know, 15 years ago. And so I think that, you know, at the, at the core of it, HR is all about people. Um, you know, we were chatting about, um, chatbots and all of that. And those are amazing and great and can do so many wonderful things. But people really remain the special sauce of how the world goes around. And so getting to do that every single day is uh, is pretty cool.
0: That is awesome. We always appreciate a great origin story of how people got into HR. And so to tie in people and why, regardless of how smart or intelligent or scary AI can become, we still need people. Our topic really delves so well into that because you got to keep people energized, motivated, but most importantly, you got to keep them from burning out. So today we're talking about how can HR reduce employee burnout. And I would first like for you to explain to our audience, what is employee burnout? It's one of those buzz terms that everybody talks about. I think it's more of a, you know it when you see it type of thing, but... If it's something that you think most people can identify before it gets too bad, what does it look like?
1: Yeah, you know, I think um, we complicate it sometimes by calling it employee burnout, which, again, if we put just people at the center of it, it's burnout. Too many things, too many decisions, too many priorities, um, your own internal pressure of, you know, having to reach this level of perfection, Um, or do better than make it even better if all of those things happening all at one time um, cause the candle flame to dim and dim and dim and dim until you hear that quiet little sound and it goes completely out. Um, And that's how I think about burnout most of the time is it's not like a birthday candle where you take a big huff and it happens all at once. It's happening gradually. There's little things, little moments that are either occurring or not occurring every single day. Um, That's taking a bit of the fire out of the flame until the flame can no longer sustain itself.
0: I love these topics when we start off with how can HR do X, Y, and Z? Because I always wanna zoom out and ask the guests, one, is that even the right question? And should we be thinking, how can the employee keep themselves from doing X, whatever that thing is? And or is the better question, is it a management issue that HR can potentially support or is it something totally different? And I'm just way off with my two assumptions.
1: No, I actually love that you asked that. Um, and I don't think it's one or the other. I think it's all three. I do think companies have to take accountability and do what they what we can, right, within our circle of control. And I'm happy to talk about a couple of things that seem so simple, but are really hard to do. Um, I also have seen when we focus on them, we can, we can create those experiences for our employees. I also think, um, I, you know, my team members and the company that I get to work for hear me say this all the time. I always say I'm a mom that works instead of a working mom. And I know what my triggers are when I'm starting to feel burned out. And I start with myself. Like, what do I need? What's the negative self-talk I need to stop? Um, How do I need to better prioritize what I'm working on or thinking about delivering? Who are the other experts that I can ensure um, not only are at the table, but have space to have an actual voice at the table to drive really cool work? Um, And then also, how do I think about the role that I play at home, at work, for myself, for my friends and for my family and create that internal balance that no matter how great my boss or my employer is, they'll never be able to do for me, right? I have to do it for myself. So I think the question that you're asking is 100% the right one. Um, But I think we can do it best when we figure out ways to work at it together versus saying, not it, it's my company's to figure out. Or not me, my manager needs to help me. Or not me, the employee needs to figure it out on... you know, by themselves, when all the stakeholders come to the table together, I think that's where we can create a sustainable change or create sustainable behaviors that help avoid the ultimate burnout.
0: You mentioned two things just now that I think are super interesting, one about circle of control and the other, which I'm going to frame as identity. You mentioned the difference between being a mom who works versus a working mom. I think I got that right. If so, how do you think that plays into helping you manage burnout and for other people that may not have kids, how do they identify the difference between how they can look at the framing of their identity to make sure that they're also practicing self care or whatever is the potential solve to minimize this burnout?
1: Yeah, it's um for me it's declaring your center. I didn't become a mom until, you know, it's been about 12 years now. Um, But before I was a parent, I was a daughter. And after that, I was a spouse first. There's always been something, even though you would see from my history, um, I'm a workaholic. I started working when I was 13. You know, my family is immigrants to the United States. So work ethic um, certainly doesn't run low in my in my household, Um, but I think the reason also that I enjoy work and I actually love work is I do have a greater sense or purpose in my life. And so for me, being able to articulate I'm a mom that works centers the part that's most important to me in this stage of life, which is being a mom. And so when I have days that are really hard or lots of priorities that are conflicting, being able to center in something that I really value and have that be what leads my ship um, makes it a little bit easier to place all of the other puzzle pieces and to prioritize all of the other things um, to ensure that whoever it is gets the best of me that I have to offer in that moment. So Whether it's in um, doing the session with you, turning around this evening, (laughs) driving my daughter to dance, (laughs) answering emails later on at night, Um, staying centered really helps me focus on what's important at that moment and also to ensure that I'm really showing up as my best self um, so I can empower, engage, influence, build up um, the person that I get the opportunity to spend those moments with.
0: That's awesome. And I really appreciate that. And in regards to circle of control, does that cover any of the things you just mentioned or that's something totally different?
1: No, I think it's all encompassing. So, you know, people ask all the time, like, how can how can you fix burnout for someone else? And I think this is the opportunity to take to say, I can't fix burnout for you, and you can't fix burnout for me. However, we can um, we can find common ground, whether it's in solidarity, just the feeling of I'm not the only person that's feeling overwhelmed. As companies and leaders, um, you know, think about how often have you stopped people on your team and say, "Hey, talk to me about your top five priorities." I will guarantee you that no matter how connected you are. You probably have folks on your team that are working on things that are less important than other ones, and they're not doing it because they don't wanna work on the right stuff. Everybody's just moving so fast and trying to accomplish so much. So while we can't fix it alone, having the dialogue on what's on your plate, how are you prioritizing your work, which outcomes do you think are the most important? Why, how can I help you reshuffle the deck? Are there other people that can be pulled in i know you feel like you have to get this done next week but guess what you don't <laughs> we've got a little extra time um those conversations take minutes but i think they can take hours and days off of the stress sometimes that people feel and it's that kind of stress and anxiousness that if not dealt with over time creates burnout um, and so that's what i mean by circle of control for companies it's getting really tight on What's our vision? What's our mission? What are our priorities? What are the things that we're going to go after? But how do we also articulate and declare the things that we aren't going to go after um, so that we can help and enable people to prioritize and make some of those decisions on their own? I like that last part
0: specifically because even I found that when talking to the team, it's equally, if not more important to tell the team what we're not going to do what we're not going to build, who we're not gonna sell to, sometimes even more so than what we are gonna build and what we're going to do because it gives those guardrails a focus and people aren't scrambling and burning up, as you mentioned. So I find that typically when it comes to all HR initiatives, it's typically three steps. It's identify the problem, understand what is the problem, Come up with a plan and execute, and then analyze to see if that worked. If you agree with those three buckets, and there's multiple layers within all of those buckets, then to make this as actionable as possible for any HR people leader out there listening, how would they how would they do the first step in regards to identifying burnout across their workforce?
1: Yeah, you know, one is um, I, I I hate saying the word that I'm about to say, which is don't. Um, So let me try to rephrase that. Make sure that you are um, collecting the right data from the right um, variety of folks versus accidentally making an assumption because one loud voice or one key stakeholder shared something. So do you um, really understand your data? Do you understand your employee population? Do you have a Um, a concise way to even know what people are talking about when they're saying burned out, right? Um, So are you using similar definitions that when you're solving for something, you're actually solving for the right thing? Um, I do have kids and I think kids are so good at this. They will why you until you're blue in the face are you whying the problem that you think you're having? Do you have alignment on um, what the solve for is? People will hear me say that in meetings all the time. Like, hey, remind me, what are we solving for? And so many times it's quiet because it's like, "Ooh, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not sure that we know. We're <laughs> still clear on um, what are you solving for? And it's okay if you don't know, but instead of just solving for something, take that time to get crisp, on what you're trying to solve for so that you can own it and you can say hey we heard x because we heard x we are going to explore y and because we explore Y, we think this is the outcome it's going to create and so that's what we're going to go after and we're going to check in along the way if it if we're realizing we're solving for the wrong problem or we're actually not getting the outcomes that we want we're gonna take a different approach. I think sometimes there's so much pressure on like, say something and do exactly that thing. And if the right thing doesn't happen, then we've failed versus say something, try some stuff, validate it. If it doesn't work, try some new stuff and be really proud um, that you have the ability to flex and be agile. And it's more important to drive that right outcome than to be right the first time you try something.
0: So you actually covered all three steps for me at the same time, which was way better than I could have said any of that. And so I'll just dig into one or two of the points you just said. Try some stuff. We find that a lot of HR leaders have a hard time just trying some stuff because too many companies – almost feel like too many companies treat HR like the government, where we have to have this big consensus up front, and it just has to work. And if it doesn't work, it's like, well, HR, you said you were going to do this thing, and it didn't work, versus HR having the ability to come up with a bunch of assumptions to try to validate more like marketing, where it's, oh, we're going to do this test, or we're going to do this test. But typically, we find HR typically trying to do these big company-wide things. And then if it doesn't work, then HR, they're holding the bag and there's a lot of issues and complaints about, oh, HR didn't do this or that. So when it comes to try some stuff, what do you mean by that? And how do you think HR can get better at just trying some stuff and seeing what works?
1: Yeah, I think there's a couple things. Um, I'm going to bring a bit of banking into it. Earlier in my days, I spent some time Um, banking. And the the basis of banking is like a sense of security, sense of peace, right? With your your money and your finances. And there's a very fundamental um, concept of deposits and withdrawals. And I think HR professionals and business professionals in general have to invest the time in the deposits. You, so in work, for me, it plays out with relationships. Are you creating space to establish really good working relationships? Do you know what's important to your business? Do you know what are the things that um, frustrate or create tension for your colleagues? And are you showing that you're not at the, the table to sit at the top of it, to hold the guidebook that says, yes, you can do this, no, you can't do that, But you're actually at the table as a partner so help me understand the problems that you're trying to solve let me share some of my perspectives and then be a part be a part of those solutions so i think hr professionals really have to get out from behind the policy books um, which i've seen us do year over year over year is just accelerate how we strategically support a business um, and show up as a true partner so that when you do make the declaration, you can connect all the pieces together. I know, Bruce, you are trying to solve X for your function. Here's my understanding of what's worked and what hasn't. Here's some ideas I have about how you can leverage your people, leverage some of our um, people outcomes that we want to drive to achieve those results. Are you game to trying this one thing for a couple weeks? Let's see how it goes and come back and talk about it. Now, Bruce is part of the solution versus, hey, Bruce, go fill out this form and have this quick check-in and let me know how it goes. We're helping everybody connect the dots along the way.
0: That is awesome. Paris, I can talk to you all day about this because one, it's just so easy to talk to you, but two, This is such a big and important topic. So many people are trying to figure out. But I want to ask you one last question. We've talked about a lot here. We've covered a lot. But if there was one thing that you hope that our audience remembers from this podcast, if they didn't remember anything else, but just this one thing, what would you want them to leave this podcast remembering?
1: Um, I think remember the power of you. So whoever you are, whether you're an HR professional, whether you're a CEO, whether you're an individual contributor, you have the power to make a difference in your organization. And as much as you picked the organization, the organization picked you. So if you are struggling, ask for help. If you have something awesome to celebrate that no one's noticed, help them notice it. Um, take your own, you know, take control of your own destiny to some degree, but also invite people in to support you, to celebrate with you, to help you along the way. You're not in it alone. And you have a a ton of personal power that you bring into every single day.
0: Paris, thank you so much for being such an awesome podcast guest. We really appreciate you dropping all your gems, gems of wisdom on our audience and sharing all your best practices and experience in this topic. So thank you so much. Woo! Go, Paris!
1: Thank you for thank having you. me. Thank
0: so you. Awesome. So, Paris, how can people find you and Paycor online?
1: Yeah, Paycor and myself. Please check us out on LinkedIn. We're constantly sharing articles. I love that you started off the podcast with data. We have tons of data um, that we love to share to help you build winning teams through empowering your leaders. So check us out on LinkedIn. Check us out on Instagram. Um, you can find me all the peas, Paris Parker on LinkedIn <laughs> Parker, or on Instagram. So happy to connect.
0: Paris Parker Paycor Podcast talking about people. There we go. All doing the peas <laughs> doing it all. So, for everyone out there listening to the podcast, if you enjoyed it as much as Paris and I did making it, please leave us a five-star rating. Also, if this is your very first time listening to our podcast and you either came here because you're just already such a huge super fan of Paris and you just had to hear what she was going to say or You thought that this topic was super compelling and you really wanted to learn more about it, but now you're hungry for more episodes, please subscribe to the Employee Cycle Podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and all other major podcast platforms. And last but not least, all of you awesome HR and people leaders out there, please continue to hire, train, and retain the best workforce possible. Thanks. Later, kids.